Hey everybody, welcome back to a new episode. I'm your host, Marcus Hall. Uh, this is the Kingdom Project Podcast, you already know that. And we're going to get into uh, Acts chapter 1, 9 through 11. And we're just going to look at this and I will explain my reason and all this, okay? So uh, we're just going to get in, get into it, okay? Because Acts 1, 9 through 11, the claim is that this event and statement demands a physical, visible return of Christ to earth. So let's just read it first, and then we'll take it from there, okay? It says, And when when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, Two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up uh, from you in the heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go in the heaven. Now, uh, some translations are going to say in a like manner. So we have in the same way or in a like manner. So we'll, we'll get to that. So is is this the case okay now now in the past to be clear i want to uh, uh, make this a point that i have said the demand or the emphasis of this section of text was on the clouds not the physical and the visible so you know um while i'll still i still stand by that i feel it's only proper to just tease this out more and that's why i'm dedicating a whole episode just to this section of of text. All right. So, also, um, while I am the inconsistent preterist, as I have made clear this year, uh, this is obviously going to sound like I am saying one hundred percent here that there is no clear emphasis on a physical return of Christ to Earth. But there are other texts that can be pointed out for this. Uh, we're not getting into those in this episode. We are focusing on Acts 1, 9 through 11 specifically uh, because this is the main proof text for the demand. Um, there, there's uh, obviously in th- you know Thessalonians, the rapture text, uh, which is, there's things like that, okay? So the obvious debate here is this. If they visibly saw the Lord ascend, then it's uh, reasonable to believe he will visibly return. And uh, I got a lot of editing going on here. I'm still trying to trying to tweak this audio uh, interface and mixer. I got some compression going on. I want to see how that turns out this time around here. All right. So um, many Christians ask this question when they encounter preterism. All right. They realize Jesus ascended in a manner that was visible to the physical eye. So the logical conclusion based on this passage is that his return will be visible too. And for good reason, right? Uh, So there's not much more thought put into this, all right? So this is going to be like the Romans 13 episode, okay? We went over the the traditional view, and then we looked at the historical contextual view, and uh, we still saw applicability for today when it came to authority. And the main point was that God's authority is always uh, 
always trumps man's authority. Okay, so my point in this um, really goes to uh, the the original reason why I started this podcast uh, to begin with, to share and hopefully teach and encourage you to be a Berean, search the scriptures, realize the context, and go deeper into the words that were written. You know, get get a concordance, um, look up whatever section of text that um, you may be wondering about or wrestling with, uh, look it up, um, like for this, an example here, Acts 1, 9 through 11, interlinear. Search that, see it, it will give you a more literal rendering of the text and each word will also have the Greek to where you can, or the Hebrew, and where you can click on the number uh, for that word and see the definition and its uses and all that. And that's what we're going to be doing here with this phrase in like manner. All right. So uh, you want to go deeper. You know, you want to know the words um, that were written. So preterism will say that. Jesus returned in his generation, but there was no visible coming that occurred in that time frame. All right. So, so many believers conclude that that prophetic model is incorrect based on this uh, section of text. Okay. So they demand he departed visibly. So he has to return visibly, right? He went to heaven. He'll come back from heaven, right? Um, all that stuff. So such Statements like that re represent the majority in traditional views of today, while preterism says that that's a mistake or at least problem problematic while considering other statements throughout the New Testament and the phrase in like manner. So the best way to determine an author's meaning is from context. All right, so before listing uh, any verse in support of a position, we need to first check the literary context to ensure that the passage is about the same subject and really does have the meaning that proves the point that you're trying to make. So the, the majority view overlooks the historical and literary context of Acts 1, 9, and 11. And these contexts show that the coming, the parousia, that... Luke and, and Matthew and all that would would occur in the disciples generation. All right. So full context is a year before this event. All right. The Lord had given the disciples a mission to Israel and they were to proclaim, as it says, as as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 10, 7. And Jesus said they would not finish this before his return. In Matthew 10, 23, when they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly, I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. So this commission linked the coming of the kingdom to Christ's parousia, both of which would occur before the disciples finished this commission. Then later, the disciples again would hear Jesus linking his parousia to his kingdom when he said, Truly I say to you, 
There are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Matthew 16, 28. So some who heard Jesus speak would see him return in his kingdom. Jesus linked his, his coming, or parousia, to his kingdom. And he placed both in the near future, all right, in their generation. So now, going to Luke's writings, uh, because his gospel and the book of Acts create this literary unit, okay? Um, you could look at Acts 1, 1, and then Luke 1, 1 through 4. And then this give, will allows us to see the literary context of 9 and 11 of Acts 1. So we have like 40, um, 45 days before his ascension, Jesus, Jesus is telling his disciples about his parousia. He does this on um, yeah, the Mount of Olives, the Olivet Discourse, all right? So we got Luke 21, Matthew 24, um, and, and, and then Mark 13 as well. So, but Luke reports Jesus's words as, and then they will see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Luke 21, 27. It goes on in verse 31 and 32 to say, he, he says, so also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until uh, all has taken place. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. So 45 days after the Olivet Discourse, uh, 40 days after his resurrection, right, is the ascension. So after rising from the dead, he often talked with his disciples. And Luke describes uh, their their discussions and he says the Lord rebuked his disciples for for not believing the prophets right on on the road he said to them there's Luke 24 25 through 27 O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted uh, interpreted to them and all the scriptures the things concerning himself. My dog's outside barking. You can probably hear it. So Jesus said all the prophets had written about the glory that he would soon enter. And Luke also says that um, the Lord identified this glory with his coming kingdom. Uh in Acts 1 3, it says he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. All right, so again, glory, coming kingdom, all these are linked. And we know from previous scriptures that the kingdom would come before some of the disciples died. It was to happen in their generation. Jesus uh, would come to establish it. All right, completely. So here they are at the Mount of Olives again. The discussion just before the ascension. The place is familiar. The subject material is familiar as well. That's being discussed in Acts 1 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus 
responded to this question as he did in the Olivet Discourse. That, okay, Acts 1, 7, it's, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. Matthew 24, 36, it says, but concerning the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. All right, so the kingdom and this coming, this parousia, again, here, are identical to those that Jesus had mentioned in previous conversations, okay? They're going to occur in the disciples' generation. There's nothing in the context that shows that these men are speaking about a different parousia. So we, we should not be so quick to make Christ's parousia in Acts 111 means something different than it had meant previously during all these other conversations, right? The term, the word, or the use of it did not change meaning or definition whatsoever during these 40 or 45 days. If there had been, I believe Luke would have given some hint of a change. Uh, there would have been something to show, all right? I mean, we've discussed this before when he says this generation, if he was talking about another generation, all he would have had to say was that generation. Things like that. Logical wording and articulation when speaking. All right, so the context shows Christ's parousia occurring within the disciples' generation. So some say Acts 111 itself actually actually requires a different coming, all right? And this is when we get into this phrase in like manner. All right. So the words in like manner imply that this change is what they say. They show a physical visible return. So since this kind of coming has not occurred since the ascension, it has to be in our future, right? Now, this phrase, this is what I mean by going into uh, the words deeper, all right? You look it up in an interlinear, you find out what it is, or get an app like Blue uh, Bi uh, Blue Letter Bible and, and have it all right there on your phone. And, and you look this phrase up in like manner, it's Han Tropan, okay? And it does not mean that the physical details of Jesus's return would match those of his ascension. It doesn't mean that because he ascended visibly and bodily that the parousia would be visible, visible and bodily as well. Okay, so um, <clears throat> I'm going to show you why this is the case. Because the phrase, in like manner, does not imply a correspondence of the physical detail. Now... If you really want to get hardcore about this, okay, and I, I don't believe this is necessary, but you can look at other verses describing how the Lord looks um, for a, a coming or a parousia, right? Now, as I said, I don't believe this is very necessary, but John, John said, look, behold a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man having on his head 
a golden crown and and in his hand a sharp sickle all right that's revelation 14 14 so we know jesus didn't ascend wearing a crown and carrying a sickle you know whether you know either literally or figuratively uh, these these details of his uh, of his ascension and coming are different. Now I kind of feel like that's nitpicking, though. But I'll, I'll carry on with the hardcore method method here for a moment. John says Jesus would ride a white horse when he returned. He would judge and make war. His eyes would be as a flame of fire. Uh, on his on his head were many crowns. Now now it, it's changed from. Uh, a golden crown to many crowns, right? <laughs> you see, see the see the issues. Uh, very descriptive, but figurative or symbolic language going on here. It also says he would be clothed with, uh, you know, the white, and it would be dipped in blood. There's armies that were in heaven that were going to follow him on these horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth was a sharp sword. Um, on his thigh would be a name written King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And this is Revelation 19, 11 through 16. So hardcore is going to say these descriptions do not correspond to the physical details of his departure in Acts 1. All right. But again, that that I, I do feel like that's a little nitpicking, but everyone does it. So, I, I you know, I'm pointing it out. It's, but. 9-11 in Acts 1 does not require an identity of detail. So, um, it, it really can't justify the selective identity that the tr- you know traditional prophetic models require. So, that's why I don't think this is necessary. A better approach would be seeing how in like manner is used in other sections of text and scripture. All right. Jesus used this phrase uh, when he spoke to apostate Israel. He said um, during his, uh, the Passion Week, right? Um, this, right before he gave the Olivet Discourse in Luke 13, 34, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often um, would I have gathered your children together as hens, or as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you are not willing? Now, the word here, it's as, okay? As a hen. So, as, the word as is han tropon, in like manner. All right, so to insist that as requires matching physical details is absurd. Jesus's physical actions were not those of a, a mother hint. Okay. The Lord, I don't believe he was m- meaning to compare physical details when he used the words Han Tropon there. He meant to stress the similarity of his actions to those of a hen in a more general way. A gathering is present when a hen protects her um, her brood, her chicks, right? So this provides a picture of how Jesus sought to gather Israel so she could avoid destruction. So there is no correspondence of physical details between those two gatherings, okay? Now Luke uses the phrase in his account uh, with Stephen, the first martyr, 
He says Stephen spoke uh, to apostate Israel about Moses trying to stop a fight. One, one of the two uh, com- combatants asked Moses, uh, do you want to kill me as, okay, again, as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? This is Acts 7, 28. So again, the word is as, and the question contains little, if any, reverence, reference to physical details at all, right? The man was not asking if the murder weapon would be identical or the place of the burial or the time of day. His focus was on the central ideal of being murdered, nothing else. So the, the, the same is true of Acts one eleven. Jesus would return as he promised, and the words mean nothing more. They do not imply matching details of the ascension and the parousia. Right? Paul told Timothy, now as uh, it was you know, Janus and, and Jambres <laughs> withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate uh, concerning the faith. Second Timothy 3 8. So again, you have the word as. What I've already said stands true here as well. The physical similarity of the, these two situations is not the issue. The central thought is resistance, okay? Um, that as the magicians resisted Moses, repro- reprobates resist the gospel, all right? There's no thought of correspondence of any other details there. It's resistance, and that's it. And then this phrase occurs only in, in only two other passages, okay? In one, Peter compares uh, Jewish and Gentile salvation, and he says we shall be saved even as they. And he is comparing two non-physical things. Um, in other, the other passage is when Paul encourages his uh, fellow travelers during a storm at sea, he, he had a dream, and in that dream, an angel promised Paul deliverance from the storm. And then, and then he says, I believe God uh, that it, it shall be even as it was told me. So that statement compares a dream to, the, to deliverance from a shipwreck. So a correspondence of physical details is impossible in either of these situations. Okay, so now we've looked at all the biblical instances of the words, hontropon uh, in like manner or in the same way. And they allow a comparison of two events or things, but they do not demand a similarity of details between them. Sometimes a, score, a, 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 a correspondence of physical details is impossible, uh, as we have seen. Okay, these words perform the same function in Acts 1.11. They mean Jesus would return as surely as he departed. There's no requirement or a demand here for correspondence of physical details. So I would say the passage does not teach a bodily physical coming of the Lord. So in the full context of the word of God, Acts 1, 9, 11 is interpreted as a guarantee of Christ's return, his parousia. It says the coming here is the same coming that Jesus has mentioned before all of this that we went over. 
it would occur in the disciples' generation, and the contextual evidence shows that Luke uses this term consistently. So the biblical writers provide many details surrounding Christ's coming, and these details differ from those of his, his ascension. So we, we should really consider all of that when we interpret Acts 1, 9 through 11, in, in that we should not interpret it in a way that creates a conflict between his, Christ coming and his going. All right? The traditional view of this passage would then seem to make a mistake because it requires a visible bodily coming that matches the ascension. Um, and this implies other details should match as well. So the biblical writers use this phrase pon in like manner in a way that would I would say refutes the traditional view. And I'm using traditional. It doesn't mean it goes all the way back through all the church history. Um, I'm just saying a traditional is what you and I have known as growing up in church. You know, how old, I don't know how old you are. So I'm just saying 1900s and on. Okay. There's, there is before then too, a little bit, but you know what I mean? You get the point. Okay. <laughs> traditional, uh, the, the traditional view makes a mistake. It, it requires, like I said, a visible bodily coming that matches the ascension. And this, you know, is all that. So, in like manner, the way the biblical writers have used this phrase, as we've gone over, refutes that. So, because in no case do these words show an identity of, of, of details between two things or events. Most times... Uh, that's impossible. But preterism, on the other hand, says that Jesus fulfilled his promises to come in the disciples' generation, and he came on the clouds, destroyed the temple in Jerusalem in 70 AD. 